TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile, get four iPhone 15s on us, and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Do justice to his show and his audience. Thank you. And George, thank you. I appreciate all the staff there at, at, at WBT and WRD making it all sound, or at least trying to make it sound. <laughs> Sound like the host knows what the heck they're doing. Uh, I do want to get back to this. Just some of the some of the stories that we're going to cover this hour are going to be un- a little bit uncomfortable. I'm going to tell you that it's we have a situation where there are things that are happening that are very uncomfortable. I, I can tell you one of the worst ones out there is what's going on with our our national debt and our and, and you know what it's not it's not a lot of fun to talk about. It's not sexy. It's not it's not fun. It, it, and, and both parties own are complicit in it. You know, as I've always said that the national debt is like a being on a train. And at some point in the future, those tracks end and the, the train will go off the cliff. The problem is we don't know how far away the cliff is. And in the meanwhile, instead of trying to if we could bring down this, then the cliff goes further away. And the more we add to this national debt and the deficit spending type, the cliff gets closer. And when Republicans are running the train that we're all on the nation, those Republicans that are running the train, they're still running it. It's just not moving as fast toward the cliff. And when Democrats take over, they typically just kind of accelerate the train and head straight toward the cliff, hoping that they won't be around when we get to the edge of the cliff and the train goes off the cliff. So why would I bring that? So that's the story we want to get into. The Katanji Brown situation, she's being Katanji Brown Jackson, my confirmed. It'll be bipartisan. There'll be some difficult questions. The Republicans will ask, and a Josh Hawley and some of these others on the right will ask some very uncomfortable and difficult questions about her record, about her record uh, on a number of fronts. But her confirmation is all but a done deal. The, the Biden administration picking. And the one thing that should concern us most is not that she's not qualified. She is. It's that that fewer and there, there's less and less diversity of of American life, so to speak. And I don't mean that you just go pick somebody in a bakery and say you're going to be a Supreme Court justice. My point being is that the diversity of thought tends to be around a few schools like Harvard, Yale, these type of uh, Illuminati law schools, and they're people that are in that D.C. circuit. They're, they're very rarely we seeing people from you know the rest of the broad spectrum of American life. That's not a personal attack on her. It's the entire court seems to be of a certain mindset, and we'll see what happens next. She will be confirmed. There will be some difficult questions. It will be in the news, but that's all but a done deal. If you want to get into the conversation today, you have something else maybe that the host didn't mention or something the host said that you said, hey, I want to say something about that. Give us a call at 1-800-928-1110, 800 928 
1110 WBT or WRD. Both all fo- folks, this is the Ingalls Market Talk Line. Would love to hear from you about what the heck you think is going on out there. But I do want to get back to the this national debt story a little bit. It's not sexy, you know, and I can remember in my former uh, big talker days, it's a, it's an issue that a lot of people feel uncomfortable about because they've heard it for years. A lot of you are like, oh, here he goes again, because we heard it in the 90s when the debt was 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 a, a, a fraction of what it is. I don't know when that date is, but let's just give you some perspective here. So this is from the, the actually the Hill, the economic sleight of hand and stark reality. This is a pox on both houses. Politicians must think voters live in an alternate reality. Why else would they push fantastic fictions about the boogeyman they claim are responsible for inflation when every morning they see the culprit staring at them back in the mirror? The bill for years of unbounded spending and pandering for votes is coming due, as is often the case. It's been exacerbated by unanticipated events. This time, those events include the pandemic, the war, the technology issues. So now it's time for everyone to step up and stop playing games. Our national debt unceremoniously hit $30 trillion at the end of January. Now, that's a figure that for all for you, me, and everyone listening, that's a that's a figure you just can't fathom. It's too big. It's like saying I'm going to walk to Mars. It's just one of those you can't you can't picture. It would take lifetimes to walk to Mars. It would take multiple lifetimes because you just at that speed you would just never get there. Thirty trillion dollars at the end of January, three years sooner than the CBO had projected in 2020. So in 2020, the Congressional Budget Office said, "Hey, we're going to hit thirty trillion dollars years from now," but they were wrong. We hit it a lot sooner. That is the equivalent. So let's when you're driving, whether you're driving your work, look around at your coworkers. That's ninety-two thousand dollars in debt by every person in America. That doesn't mean a voting age. So if you have a family of four, that's ninety-two thousand for you, your wife, your kid, each kid. The national debt was at six trillion in the year two thousand. It was at fourteen tr- trillion in twenty ten. It's now at thirty. So it's doubled in just just just. A little over 10 years. Too much government debt bad. Why is it bad? No matter how many times you try to portray it as government investment, governments don't invest. They spend. And when they spend, it leads to higher interest rates. It leads to inflation when it gets out of control. Higher interest rates are double whammy, making it more costly for the government to borrow to service its interest and debt. The CBO estimates that the country's net interest cost will be $60 trillion. That's an interest. Interest. Left to its own, Congress would spend even more than the CBO can imagine. These are numbers that Americans, we just can't afford. We can't address its present, future domestic and international problems, maintain economic, technological, and military superiority. We can't do it. About the same time that the national debt hit $30 trillion, the Federal Reserve's balance sheet reached $9 trillion. Again, for perspective, the assets on the Fed's balance sheet totaled less than 10% of that, about $800 billion, just before the badly mishandled financial panic of 2008-10. Again, $9 trillion, 10% of that at $800 billion back in 2008 and 10. The additional amount on the feds, I tell you what we'll do. We got a call. Edward, welcome to the show. And uh, you wanted to talk about Katanji Brown. So what's on your brain today? What's on my brain is what's been happening the last several years in that uh, the police even told me firsthand, city police, that uh, when they think they thinking about going to arrest somebody, they give it a second thought because uh, they know that person probably didn't have a good upbringing, 
It's really their parents' fault. And so why should they even bring them in for booking? And judges are ruling that way. And so we have no law anymore. We just have what we feel. And our feelings above everything else is deceptive. We need to go by the rule of law, not by our feelings. And that's what's going on now. That's why you see police stations burned down. No one trying to stop them. Uh, just all kinds of crimes. Crimes getting worse and worse. Certainly a lot of that was at the Black Lives Matter movement when they would just loot these cities and nobody wanted to enforce the law during the looting of those cities. And then when it all hit the fan, when 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 all this stuff happened January 6th, everybody's attention turned to January 6th while ignoring all of the looting and destruction. But i tell you what we're going to do. Right. Caller, I, can you please stay on the line? I don't want to lose you because I think you're, you're bringing up an important topic about a value system that's shifting and has shifted in okay. our nation. And I'd love for you to stay through the break. Can you do that? Yes, sir. Okay. So what we're going to do, we're going to take a break. We'll be back with our caller. Your caller is always important to us. If you want to get in on the conversation, 1-800-928-1110, 1-800-928-1110. That's the Ingalls Market Talk Line. Whether you're calling in the WBT market or the WORD market, Greenville, Spartanburg area. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medela. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame. Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Medellin, the Markable Fighter. Drink responsibly, beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Folks, Chad Adams, your guest host here for Vince Coakley here on WBT and WORD. You want to get in on the conversation, give us a call 1-800-928-1110, 1-800-928-1110, the Ingalls Market Talk Line. When we went to the break, we were talking with Edward, and he was uh, talking about kind of a distortion of the value system. You know how people get arrested, and because of feelings, we're kind of adjudicating based on feelings rather than the law, and, and how problematic that is, even as we're approving a new Supreme Court justice, who, by the way, has gotten tied up in something very strange about uh, 
online versus mail uh, pornography charges. It, very bizarre. We'll talk about that later. But, Edward, thank you for staying on the Breakthrough Hold, and uh, please continue. You're welcome. Yes, sir. Go ahead. Yeah. You were saying. So, I mean, where would you like you, – you would like to see us get back to the rule of law in, in the way in which we prosecute things. You're saying people get arrested, and they're like, well, you know, it's about feelings. Yeah, that uh, when you have that kind of situation, you have total anarchy. There are no laws, if you believe in that. And anyone can do whatever they want. And right here in South Carolina, uh, my wife witnessed a store being robbed, a person loading up the cart with all kinds of goodies. The employees were not allowed to say anything or do anything. And the police outside were not allowed to touch them. And they took the goods to two cars that were waiting there. And uh, they unloaded them in the two cars, and they took off. And so I went to the police station. I said, uh, what's going on here? And I explained what happened. They said, well, you know, these kids probably weren't raised properly, and we were told to stand down because, we, you know, we don't know what kind of background they have. So we don't even have a police force anymore. And uh, in New York's even worse. I met a man who worked on – he was on a New York police force – and he told me the whole police force, and this is about a year ago, wants to quit because they're not allowed to arrest people. They're not allowed to even touch them because they may be sued because if they even touch them. And this is a policeman telling me that they'll fall on the ground wow. and tell and start screaming that their shoulders broke or whatever. And this man that was telling me this, and he said the whole force wants to quit was a black man, so it has nothing to do with color. It has to do with having the rule of law, which should not discriminate according to color. And it does discriminate according to color. we got to stop that because it doesn't help, the, doesn't help the black community or the white community or the nation. And well, I'm not talking about the average black person because most of them are very decent, wonderful people. I'm talking about the what? criminal element, just like there's a white criminal element. Well, there's just criminal elements. Let's just say humans are, you know, rife with human uh, bad people. Are, are it knows no race, it knows no culture. Here's the issue, Edward. And I think I think people listening, your call in particular, I believe, makes people uncomfortable, and it makes them uncomfortable because they know what you're saying is true with respect to what's happening. And you see this in New York. You've seen it on the left coast. I think a lot of white people are moving. It's not just taxes. It's not just overbearing government. It's a lack of feeling safe. I have friends that live in the Seattle area, and when they go to a ball game, their kids play ball, uh, rec ball, but baseball. And so when they go to the ball field, the parents have to go early to clean up all of the needles and trash from the homeless problem that are living on the ball field. So they have to clean the fields up before the kids can even safely play ball. This is a value system that the left has brought about thinking that they're creating some kind of utopia and they're creating this outlandish nightmare scenario. And and when law enforcement can't do its job, that's a total breakdown. That's an anarchistic society that's, that's chapter five in a 10-chapter book. And you're heading toward total anarchy. Your point is valid. I think when you don't enforce the laws or you make the laws about feelings, the laws are no they are no relevancy ever again. You're exactly right. Right on the yeah. So we, we got to get back to reality. And and I asked. Uh, if I said I if I said I thought I saw saw someone steal something. Uh, I want. Um, he said you better not do anything. Don't even talk to them. Just call the police. Yeah. Well. 
the same policeman had told me that they weren't going to do anything. <laughs> yeah. So, what and, and, and yeah, the police. <laughs> I feel bad for cops. They do the arrest, and then you've got you know prosecutors that don't want to prosecute. So even if you are, and so many get released before they get arrested for the very reasons you've articulated. And so the lesson you learn is, hey, I can get away with this. And then the next thing is, what more can I get away with? And so the laws well, become pro- increasingly irrelevant. Can I give you one more example? Sure. Of all, Go right ahead. Witness myself. I was in a card store in, in Durham, North Carolina, and a man behind me uh, grabbed my wallet when I pulled it out to pay my, what I owed for my, what I was buying. And I turned around and I grabbed my wallet back. And he pulled a butcher knife out of his sleeve. He said, give me your wallet, I'll kill you. Wow. I gave my wallet. And then he ran out the door, and I don't know why. I wasn't afraid or anything. I chased him. I didn't have any weapons. I chased the guy. I got his his car number, his license plate number. They arrested the guy. And uh, the, the day later, the, the case was dismissed because no one would testify because his friends threaten the witnesses. Yeah, and that goes it, on it, all the time, and especially the Durham area. It's horrible. Durham in particular is, I, I can attest to the fact that uh, Durham's law enforcement situation is precariously, I, if I were ranking them across the state, Durham's would be one of the worst. Uh, Fayetteville used to be Cumberland County, but Fayetteville and Cumberland cleaned up a lot of their act, and now you look at Durham. Durham, I think, would be at the very top of the list. From a law enforcement standpoint, and a lot of down the, the more concentrated downtown, down even Greensboro, Greensboro, Guilford County is heading in that direction. Certainly, parts of Raleigh, parts of Charlotte, uh, but Durham is is the is the most uh, concerning out there. And from a leadership standpoint, they don't want to deal with it because they get mired in issues of race, and it's sad because race uh, should not be the issue. Uh, enforcing the law is the, the the law should be irrespective of race. Enforcing it and and moving forward and, and discipline, but it's it's unfortunately we we become a society. I'll, I'll end with where you started. It shouldn't be this way. It should be not about feelings. It should be about the law. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I so saw Edward. I appreciate you listening. I'm sure Vince does, and we appreciate you calling in today. All right. Thank you. Absolutely. And again, you want to call in and get on the conversation? We'll move you to the front of the line. More important than what the host is talking about. And so, Stan, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm fine. How are you? I'm fantastic. Yeah, I wanted to say about the epicenter foreclosing downtown, and they're giving us every reason in the in the world except what it's not. What it's not is the clowns running the city. Until they quit law enforcement based on equity, change the rules on how police respond to, to rioting and, and crime in this city, downtown will, will continue to decline. I, and South End's exploding, and, and it's their, their fault that downtown has declined. I, you, you know what? It, it almost always is. Yeah, I think you hit something on here. You said it very succinctly, better than I would have probably said it, which is leadership and enforcement d- dictates how a downtown area, do you feel safe going to certain areas? Do you feel like, you know, and what's happened is exactly what you said. You know, if they're going to be lax on crime, crime's going to increase. If you're going to excuse away the behavior of the criminal element, then you're going to get worse. And man, you're spot on. Very well said in the city of, I mean, look at, you've got two, two people running for office that are, that are convicted criminals, right? That serve their time, I guess, but still, 
They, they did it while they were in office. And we've got to run, man. Thank you for the call. And thank you for being a part of the broadcast. But again, callers spot on. Listeners to talk radio uh, continue to. I've always, it's always been my favorite part of radio is what people that are listening, that they see, they witness, and they, they, they see going on. So we're going to take a break right here. We'll be. The Vince Coakley Show. I'm Chad Adams, your guest host. Always a pleasure here on WBT and WORD. You want to get into the conversation? Ingles Market Talk Line, 1 800 928 1110. Tony, I think we were going to go to you, but uh, you are no longer with us. But if you want to call back, we'll put you in the front of the line, or at least unless I'm talking to someone else. You move ahead of me, but not uh, the other callers. But if you want to get in, 1 800 928 1110. 928 1110, Ingles Market Talk Line. We'll move the subject matter to what you want to talk about. And I think Tony, Tony actually wanted to talk about Lindsey Graham, which I thought was going to be a lot of fun. So, Tony, if you're out there, give us a buzz, and George will make it all happen for you. So get back in there. Now, because this this hearing, it's, 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 it's interesting to see, and, and I will get back to what we were talking about earlier, but the Katanji Brown-Jackson hearing, her background, I mean, certainly there are questions about her her as a jurist, I mean, she's she's apparently been quite soft on. It's it's kind of bizarre. I was looking at some of the the cases that they're referring to. Lindsey Graham went went into asking her about her belief in God and where she went to church and stuff like that, which really had nothing to do with how she would rule as a jurist. I was kind of surprised that Graham went down that path. And she's on her second day of hearing. She had some yesterday. Today. She will be, I predict, widely confirmed. It will not be the kind of sideshow that the Brett Kavanaugh hearing became or that the Clarence Thomas one or the Robert Bork one when Democrats just went off their ever out of their ever loving minds and, and down a rabbit hole. The, the just unbelievable the depth of depravity that Democrats are capable of doing in those kind of hearings. She's going to face some difficult questions as well. She should. Some of her rulings, especially on child uh, child pornography cases, where if if she her defense of of being soft on child pornography was that whether they got it in the mail or they saw it and got it online, that if she got it, they got it online. It's, it's not as, as serious a problem. That was kind of her defense. And I'm, I'm paraphrasing because I don't want to get into the long drawn out legalisms and I don't want to do, I don't want to be unfair to her here, but certainly her, her sentencing guidelines have been less than, than tough in, in a lot of these instances. And it's be, it's, it's, live on the Twitter world right now. You can see her answers. And um, in fact, uh, it's just unbelievable back and forth. It, it, so it's going to be more political theater than anything else. This is going to be full of, so what is it, full of sound and fear signifying nothing. She will be confirmed. She will be widely confirmed and will be on the court. But I think the path by which she ended up becoming the nominee is fraught with peril. I think that the the political left is very interested in checking certain boxes rather than checking jurisprudence. And what I mean by that is you should be colorblind. You should be uh, any kind of, of physical characteristic should be unimportant when you're selecting someone to be on the Supreme Court. It shouldn't be about who they sleep with. It shouldn't be about the makeup they wear. It shouldn't be about the culture they come from. It should be about the interpretation of the Constitution. They should present the strongest, and, and of course, the left wants it wants the Constitution to be more of a living, breathing document that changes with time. 
And the political right wants it to be more of a strict interpretation of freedoms and limitations on government. Those are the two philosophies. But oftentimes people want to infuse into a very important selection these criterion, which are really not criteria. They're, they're not. You would not, if someone were operating on your child or your spouse or your parents, a medical doctor is operating, you don't really, you shouldn't, or I can't imagine someone saying, well, they need to be of a certain culture. They need to be of a certain race. They need to be of a certain sexual predilection. They need to be, you wouldn't, you would just want the best doctor to operate on your spouse or your child or your parent. If you're getting on board an aircraft, you want the pilot of that aircraft to be the most qualified pilot they could possibly find. To You don't care. You don't care. You don't care whether they're male or female. You don't care who they go to bed with at night. You don't care what the color of their skin is. You shouldn't. If your life, if you hold your life precious and dear, if you hold the, the lives of your children and those you care about to be precious and dear, you want the best. And it should be no different for the Supreme Court or any other position in life. If you've got the qualifications and you've got the temerity, you've got the ability to live, thrive, and survive and do what you need to do to be successful, be great. The color of your skin, your sexual predilections, irrelevant. And yet we have placed people in government in large measure, sadly. Do you think, and, and again, no offense to Pete Buttigieg, but was he really the best qualified person to be secretary, a cabinet-level secretary on transportation issues? I mean, some of his comments have shown that he isn't. He wasn't. But he checked a box. He checked a box. In, he had run for president. He checked a box because of a certain affinity he has. That's why. Not, not about qualifications. It's about how you feel, how, I, how, how you feel in, in moving forward. And th this kind of mentality is extremely dangerous, extremely dangerous. And um, it, it, it's and it should be disconcerting to everyone out there. Now, when I was talking about earlier, you know, with the, with the situation, uh, actually a lot of them, um, with our, with our courts and with our national debt. And, and we were talking about the national debt earlier before we, we had the phone calls and to think about that $60 trillion in debt. And, and once you hit the difference for me, for you, between 10, 30, 50, 80, 90, hundred trillion dollars, it's unfathomable. It's, it's so far beyond the realm of possibility of what that means that we just don't. We don't. In addition to the two-headed monster, this is from The Hill, and I was getting to this boring topic, but it's, it's critical because we're driving our country off a cliff. In addition to the two-headed monster of high interest rates and increasing inflation, the attack on the super superiority of the dollar is occurring on multiple fronts. As a result of the deteriorating U.S.-Saudi relationship, Saudi Arabia and China have accelerated negotiations that would allow China to pay for some portion of the oil it purchases with the yuan rather than with dollars. If you're keeping scorn, that would be a huge win for China, for China and another big loss for the U.S. dollar. If we're making the U.S. irrelevant from a dollar standpoint, that national debt becomes really critical. Horrible. We've got much more to go on this broadcast. You, me, they. But right now, we need to kick things over and take a break. We'll be right back. Actually, we're going to go to Pam Warner for traffic right now.
Welcome back, folks. Glad to have you with us as we wrap things up on uh, two of the fastest hours in broadcast. Always my honor, my privilege, Chad Adams, sitting in for Vince Coakley. Appreciate you folks being a part of everything that we're we're doing and what he's doing and trying to accomplish. And uh, absolute honor. You want to get in on the conversation, you can certainly give us a buzz. 1-800-928-1110. 1-800-928-1110 on the Ingles Market Talk Line here at WORD. Carrie. You got you. You're you're at the front of the line, Carrie. You want to say something about that national debt? What's on your brain? Hello, Carrie. Hello, hello. There you are. Hello, Hi. you're on the air. Welcome. Uh, thank you. I just have two quick questions about the national debt, please. Can you Go tell ahead. me who is it exactly that we owe all this money to, and what would happen if we just default? Ah, great questions both. Uh, So we owe it to all of the programs that we spend it on. We spend it on all these entitlement programs and everything that the U.S. government, what's happened is it has spent more than it has brought in from us hardworking Americans. So the debt is ours. The problem with defaulting on all of that debt, which is what you, you, hey, what happens if we don't pay it? Well, all those programs don't, you know, they they stop being funded. The federal government goes into default. We uh, crash internationally, and and it brings about the end of the world as we know it. Now, I don't mean a meteor hits the planet, but obviously it it would right now the entire world kind of looks at the U.S. as a good faith uh, obligation that you can borrow. You know, the U.S. they borrow money from other people. People invest in those stock. I mean, the bonds and stuff. And if we defaulted on all of that, it would bring about an economic collapse, the likes of which, I mean, we just haven't experienced. So that's... So you're saying you get, that the creditor is us. We owe ourselves. We owe other people, too, who buy and invest in, in the U.S. markets. Uh, not the, I'm not talking about the stock markets. I'm talking about the, U, the, the obligations of the U.S. government, the full faith and credit of the American people. That's uh, We owe all that money to whoever... Bar- we borrowed money from as a country, whoever we borrowed it from, we, the U.S., you, me, our kids, our grandparents, we owe that money. Okay, that's what I was wondering. Who, who are we borrowing this all from? Who is the, where is the great stash of wealth from which we are, you know, I, that's what I'm just wondering is who the, who is holding the debt? Yeah, we owe the debt. We owe the debt. And unfortunately, our government is spending far more than it's bringing in, and it continues to uh, to grow. The problem is if people stop believing in the U.S. economy and the U.S. dollar and the, the full faith and credit of the U.S. citizens, if they begin to doubt that in some way to say, you know what, we don't think you can pay this stuff back, then a cascade of events will take place. And that's why I think the Chinese are playing a very smart game of trying to get their currency to be more broadly accepted than the U.S. dollar to create some destabilization. I mean, El Salvador went to cryptocurrency. I don't know how that's going to work out for them, but that's what they're backing their currency on. So if the full faith and credit of the American people looks like it's going to be in default, and I don't know how far we can go before something happens, but we certainly have a train wreck ahead of us. But I think I think you had an excellent question, and it deserves uh, – you, know, you can spend hours on this. Yeah. So I appreciate yeah. the question. Okay, thank you. Uh, and I, and, yeah, you're welcome. And in fact, I'll go on a little step further. In 2000, the dollar, the, the U.S. dollar represented 71% of global reserve currencies, with the euro at about 19%. Today, the dollar has slipped to about 59%. If the dollar loses its status as the primary global currency, which is plausible if we don't clean up this spending and the deficit spending, we would likely face a world in which the dollar could no longer be used to impose economic sanctions as a substitute for military actions or cyber war. 
The threat's not far-fetched, and it has happened to other countries. Well, so, how long is it going to take for people to realize that this debt is impossible? And well, we have no credibility because... Okay, I don't want to... I could talk on this for hours. No, Carrie, Carrie, Carrie. No, you're, you're spot really on. People this, realize what the heck is going on. Carrie, this and started this back in the 70s. Carrie, seventies and eighties, this was a problem. Nineties, it's just that it became such a fact because a lot of folks, especially libertarians, were pointing this out, saying it's getting worse, it's getting worse. And even some of the Republican side of the aisle, conservatives, were saying, "Hey, this is a problem," but it never happened. So, in other words, there was never this crash based on the U.S. debt and deficit spending. And so, as a result of that, when it started getting into the trillions and 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 started getting so unfathomably deep that people couldn't understand i mean it, it's such the difference between 30 trillion and 60 billion for us is just unfathomable it's just yeah. an unfathomable number and so we go along as if everything's just fine hoping hoping that the u.s uh, retains primacy in financial markets around the world but it could change you're right so i appreciate mm-hmm. the phone call thank you Raise yourself huh Okay, thank you. Yeah, uh, I, I look. I'm I'm absolutely agreeing. We're closer to the end of the cliff, and we're we can't lay down the tracks fast enough for the train to to get across that cliff and into the other side. So, uh, in fact, there's a great piece over at thehill.com for anybody who's interested and wanting to look at it. Thomas Vartarian is the author of 200 Years of American Financial Panics, Crashes, Recessions, Depressions, and the Technology That Will Change It All. He's also the executive director of the Financial Technology and Cybersecurity Center. And, and a very interesting uh, individual. But what he, what he finally says in the end is the United States finds itself in the eye of a geopolitical hurricane being buffeted by high inflation, rising interest rates, increasing threats to the superiority of the dollar, and new military and economic alliances. At the same time, we are seeing increasing willingness of countries such as Russia, North Korea, and Iran to act in ways that are inconsistent with the survival of the planet. Dealing with this is not a job for the faint of heart. It's time for leaders to step forward who know how to create the future rather than waiting for it to happen and looking for someone else to blame. And unfortunately, we Americans have a very short-sighted vision of this some, from time to time and people who don't want to take all of this seriously. So we need to do that. We need to take it very seriously because we live in a very precarious, dangerous time. And if you have unserious people dealing with this, it's not good. I appreciate the opportunity to have been with you the past two days here on the Vince Coakley radio program. He'll be back bright and early tomorrow here to guide you through the world. And and certainly you folks in Greenville at WORD have been wonderful to this guest host. And folks, have a fantastic time. Chad Adams sitting in here. Always a pleasure. Have a great day. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.